0: This week on Invasion, the podcast, Brian Michael Bendis says, Make mine DC.
1: We try not to go upside down talking about Stranger Things,
0: too. And we suss out our real fake monsters. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon the arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. And welcome to Invasion, the podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I want to have waffles for dinner, breakfast, and whatever meal. Much like Eleven, Stedman. But I didn't mean that to rhyme. And then to my left is Steve. um, Was it uh, Demi? What do they call the the little monsters? Uh, The Demidogs? Demodogs. Steve Demodog King. There you go. I'll take it. Yeah. So Steve's back. Back again. Uh, tell everybody, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, October's over, and we watched all the scary movies, and thank you for helping me out with Texas Chainsaw 2.
1: yeah oh, you're very welcome.
0: And then uh, and then I had to take a break after, after Exorcist 3, because that was a really scary movie, especially that one bit, that, you know, that one bit where, you know, the sneak attack, that really... That's still I'm still thinking about it. bothers me that whole like the whole bit in the hospital. Oh, it's like very that, unnerving. Yeah, uh, and thanks uh, thanks again to James for helping out. Talk about that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But uh, took the week off, recharged. And I was like, you know, what? we're done talking about horror movies. Let's talk about Stranger Things. That's you know, and so I we're still talking about horror things. That's fine because you know they released the series on Halloween. How can you not like? You can't. I think that's kind of great and also unfair. Because it's like, it's right at the time of Halloween. But if you're like me, I didn't have necessarily had time to watch it that weekend. So it's like, you got like the Halloween hangover, and then you're watching some Stranger Things.
1: Well, yeah, that and like for me, it was... uh more about uh oh i'm i'm really going to try and take my time with this and like yeah. i sh- i sat down and i knocked out five episodes in one day and i was like oh i was going to pace myself
0: yeah um what was it uh 2 weeks ago i think it was uh i actually had one of the rare occurrences like you guys talk about like the the eclipse during the you know the daytime all that i had the rare occurrence of having 5 hours to myself in the apartment at nighttime so I could turn the lights off and just watch whatever I wanted with no interruption. And I watched like four and a half hours of Stranger Things. I'm like, I was going to pace it as well, but I'm like, I don't know when I'll have this opportunity again. So I'm just (laughs) like, because I like watching things in the dark. I I know like, my wife, it it drives her batty, but I like having just like, you know, because it's it's almost like the theater experience. Like you just have that singular focus and I don't get to do that often. So that's why I'm going to buy a house just to have a basement so I can watch stuff in the dark.
1: Yeah, I mean, I it's perfect for the dark too like that's the kind of show that you should watch in the dark
0: right yeah so yeah anyway we're going to talk more about strange things spoiler alert it is for season two if you've not watched it yet i am not going to fault you because you've probably been busy like we've all been but we're to talk about it we're going to spoil parts of it so if you you know haven't watched it yet i'd recommend watching it and then we can get back and we can talk about all those things um but first well let's just let's just get right into the news because i feel like you know it's been a while since we've talked about some news good news everyone it's actually been two weeks since we talked about news because that's when the last show was so i guess whatever anyway uh lots of news is happening lots of news that like that will affect us i think uh brian michael bendis the guy behind Marvel in terms of creative output for for comics, like their world builder, pretty much for the past like ten years or, no, or more.
1: Yeah, it's more like, like fifteen to twenty. Y- yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, he has signed an exclusive contract to go to DC, and people, some people are panicking. I don't know, like, I, and, and some <laughs> people are rejoicing. Um, you know, he's he, he's getting paid to do what he wants to do. He's creative. He has given he's given Marvel so many different takes on characters that have worked. Um and also like he was one one of the guys behind um all the ultimate universe. They gave us Ultimate Spider-Man and uh Miles Morales eventually, who is also of Spider-Man. It's gonna kind of, it's kind of confusing. Uh but like if it wasn't for the Ultimates, I don't think we'd have the first Avengers movie the way we do. So he has brought a lot to Marvel.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean it's interesting in the sense that uh He's a guy who I think in the past had said that he had no interest in writing a lot of DC's characters, so I don't know if that's changed um, or if that was just towing the company line at the time. Um, for me personally, my favorite stuff of Brian Michael Bendis has always been the more... I don't want to say personal, but the more um, street-level type stories um, about just character and single stories as opposed to uh, like the headlined events, um, whether it be... Um, Oh gosh, uh, like House of M and some of the bigger ones, and Secret I know, Wars. Secret Wars. Yeah. I know House of M is probably like ten years old. Uh, On oh, Civil this War, but Civil was, War. Yeah. Um, um, so I mean, it's good that uh, they're bringing that to. D- he's bringing that to DC. But I would love to just see him do a run of, you know, something like, uh, you know, a character that you wouldn't expect him to do, like he did with Moon Knight. Like, let's say he just grabs like. Uh, um, Ragman, or something like that. Somebody who's a DC character that people are just aren't that familiar with, and he, like, just turns them around. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in seeing him doing. I'm not as interested in seeing him doing the big events. Um, but more of his, like, character level stuff, a lot of the more personal, like, a daredevil type run on, say, um, Oh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what would be a good comparison at DC.
0: Um Well, I mean, you know everybody's chomping at the bit from like right Batman. Yeah. You know? and, and, and it's like I sure because he did his daredevil run, you're right. And that's like that's that's Red Batman. This now this is actual Batman. Um so that would be that would be interesting. I think I I I don't I don't need him doing events, not because he's not capable of doing it. It's just, I'm kind of exhausted with comic events right now. Cause oh, yeah. I feel like they're like, and we talked about this during um, secret empire a few episodes ago. It's just, it, you get like, I know you, you mentioned to us in like a comment on Facebook or something about uh, darkest night. Yeah. Being that thing, it was supposed to kind of be its own standalone thing. And then they bait and switched you and told you, you got to buy like 700 other books. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. Give me, if he comes into the room of DC, like the creative room, and says, here's what worked for me here. And here's how I did all of this. And, and actually influences them in like good habits. Cause he could write a lot of books at once, which I'm not saying he needs to do that. I feel like his grounding, like you said, would make me interested in what comes next. Cause right. I, so I don't know.
1: Well, the thing that I think is interesting too is, is that of the characters that DC has that probably need to write the ship. I feel like Batman's probably the one who needs it the least. Um and while I'm not actively reading it, I do know that Scott Snyder has done a pretty good job over the last like 5 years of writing a consistent Batman and kind of being the overseer of that piece of the DCU. Um where they could use his help in my opinion is probably some of the lower level characters that aren't getting the love that he could bring to them. Um, and right now, for whatever reason, it's just escaping me. But um, I'm trying to like come up with a good character that I think he would just knock out of the park. But you and know, I, I I would rather see him do something smaller first and then build into something. You know.
0: Well, how do you feel now that they're trying to bring in the Watchmen into the DC universe proper? How would you like to have get a hold of Rorschach? Something yeah. like I I know it's, it's again it's crazy guy on the street beating people up type of thing. I, I or maybe you know give me give me Night Owl give me him writing because it's not exactly Batman it's more like yeah. like Batman that has a gut I don't like <laughs> I don't know how else to describe <laughs> I, I I don't know I just I mean he, something interesting is going to come out of this um the what I uh, Bendis has been one of my favorite writers for Marvel just because like I I love Spider Man take a drink uh and uh, but his his Ultimate Universe Spider Man when they launched, they launched that series like you know over ten years ago now. It was a good kind of starting over again, but you got all the qualities that you liked about Spider-Man and you could engage with the new stories without worrying about all the continuity. And he'd also kind of turn it around a little bit too. And I just enjoyed it. He has a really good sense of dialogue. Uh, He's funny. He's smart. Like some of the stuff he wrote for Avengers was really funny. Um, I'm just hoping obviously that's not going to stop in DC Uh, I just, I just don't know if they are going to, with this contract, if there's, I I just feel like DC sometimes has to have their vision and I hope that they let him say, okay, well, this is great, but what about this? Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm hoping for.
1: You know, now that I think about it, well, two things popped in my head. First is, is he's from Cleveland. Yes. Um, he doesn't live here anymore. Um, I think he moved away like uh, 15 years ago or something. But As uh, soon as
0: he made it big right in the comics. He
1: he left uh, the, the state of Ohio. Um, but uh, the other thing is, is that uh, now that I think about it, I would rather see him do something for like Vertigo. Like yeah. give him something, you know, uh, whether it's a swamp thing or... Um, I know at one time, and I don't know if DC still technically has the rights to the shadow, but I remember... God, it was probably like sometime around when he was first starting up powers he was asked like what dc book he would want to do he's like if i could ever get my hands on the shadow you know that's the character i would want to do so if if they do something like that i'll i'll be happy to pick that stuff up i'm less interested in seeing them like this is the new crisis but it's (laughs) brian michael bendis's crisis or and and that's not a rip on him it's just that it's event overload at this point and um you know, I, I wanna see him do what he does best.
0: It's not the Infinity gauntlet, it's the forever glove. Right. It's a way different thing. Um oh, look at all these forever stones, we gotta get them all under the glove. Um now I I'm but the other the other side of this too is like if he has stepped away from Marvel, who is there now to pick that up? Like I don't expect one person because I think his output and his vision is not like like you you don't have too many of those like single name people you're like yeah i'm like you know like him jeff johns like you got a couple people that can operate into a lot at once right but i'm just wondering who's going to come up and who is who's next man up in marvel that's going to give us something different because bendis i love bendis is like i love his writing i love his style but he had to come from somewhere so give me somebody else give me something different you know and i you know who knows you know like i'm just excited to see what comes next
1: You know, hopefully there's somebody who's just, like, working at image or slaving away in the independent scene, uh, much like Brian Michael Bendis did before he got his big shot. And, like, is, you know, like you said, whether it's an unknown or somebody who's smaller who, like, gets a chance to really step up and show us what they've got, you know. And there's plenty of talented people at Marvel, too. Like, it's not like Marvel's going to fall to pieces without him, but, (laughs) um, you know... Uh, my when I say write the ship at DC, I, I do mean that. Like I feel like it's it's sort of in this place where it wants to reinvent itself every two years, and they're just not ever settling upon a actual consistent universe. I, I, I feel so. like
0: Marvel's doing that a lot too. And again, this to take this with a grain of salt. Um, how many Marvel comics have I read in the past couple months? Other than Secret Empire, none. Uh, I mean, there is the one Dark Hawk like one shot out there somewhere that I'm going to make mine. Uh, that's going to happen. And that's Marvel. That's really your success. Just make Dark Hawk your main character. I think that would be the best. Paul way to go. will buy all the issues. <laughs> I will. You know, all seven of them because no one else will buy them. <laughs> um, and then it's that and Moon Knight and Sleepwalker. Bring those three in there and make something happen. That'd be great. But um, I, yeah, I just I like we we talked about this before. This is a while ago. We talked about um, uh, uh, Bobby Morrow's uh, uh, Morris's uh, Mockingbird series that was out for a little bit, like the seven issues. How it printed just enough to make a trade, and then they kind of, and then generally, what happens is you see if the trade sells well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm more going towards just buying individual volumes and reading them as opposed to staying current with the stories. So events do me no good, you know. That's really. I don't know. I, yeah. just, I, I hope that yeah, I don't need to have that. Just give me give me good arcs and then then I'll read those and eat them up and be happy. You know, like I I keep buying saga. I keep needing to read more saga, but I have all every arc that comes out because I know I'm going to like it when I get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's enough about the, Brian Michael Bendis. We love you, and we love that you know you're Spider Man's, and hopefully you'll write Superman's better. You know what? Make Superman a character I give a shit about, Bendis. That's your that's your challenge.
1: You know, coming from Cleveland, the birthplace of Superman, I think it would be a, a nice, uh, nice gesture for him to to you know step up and give us a Superman that we haven't uh, had at least.
0: Yeah, the Superman you know. we need, not the one we deserve. Yeah, I mean, you know, anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, enough, enough about that. Moving on from from DC, we're gonna go to Disney. And Marvel, this is kind of a, there's some, there's some interesting, there, there's a lot of Marvel uh, Disney stuff going on right now. So uh, first thing we're going to get to is that Disney is sniffing around and talks to purchase uh, parts of Fox, more specifically 21st century Fox, which is the film entertainment side of Fox. And I know when I texted you about it, you had a much more sobering reason why you weren't necessarily a fan of it, <laughs> and I was much more like, "Oh my goodness, they get they can get the X Men," and you're like, "Yeah," but then another movie studio goes away, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's that too," you know. I so so yeah, there's the potential. They've been talking about it. Um, I don't know how serious this is. Clearly, I'm not on the phone with either one of them. I don't call Fox. I'm like, what's up? I'm calling Ryan Reynolds right now. If he could tell me what's going on, but. Um, yeah, so you've had time to think about it, like, what are you Are you still kind of the fence of, like, on the fence about, it's it's Fox possibly going away?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's one corporation absol- uh, absorbing another corporation, so I don't mean that, you know, it's not like if Fox goes away that uh, you know, film industry will be ruined, but um, because, you know, Disney hasn't given me a, a reason yet to, you know, really poo-poo anything that they've done either with You know their purchase of Lucasfilm or their purchase of Marvel, Um, but at the same time, I just I feel like the more studios that are out there trying to compete, the better the product we're going to get. And just the fact that like if it's under the Disney banner, we might not see movies that uh, or movies that you know we want to see or didn't know that we wanted to see might have less of a chance of getting made because they don't fall into a specific category anymore. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, Fox Searchlight, which is kind of their independent uh, component, uh, is, you know, something that I don't know, maybe they wouldn't continue something like that, you know? And, you know, what franchises 20th, 20th uh, has underneath its belt would fall under Marvel and it just becomes one more big piece of the pie. But, you know...
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you Um, in the sense of, like, from 20th Century Fox, like, as much... As much as it is enticing to me to find out that they could possibly buy the Alien franchise and take it away and oh do God, something I didn't with even it, think about that. Um, that that is interesting to me. But if there is just a way they could just kind of use like a scalpel and just get get X Men, get Fantastic Four, and just get them back and Deadpool, you know, and then you know, I I would like to see a unified. Uh, Marvel Cinematic, not universe, but like stable, which Warner Brothers has with their DC, but they, like Wonder Woman was a great film, Uh, Suicide Squad, eh, but, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping Justice League is a fun film. I don't know if I really have my hopes up that it's going to be a good film. I hope it's just a fun film at this point. I know, I know I'm biased, but they, they've had, they've had the stable and they've not done anything with it realistically. And I just I would wonder what Marvel would do now if they could have everybody back. Uh, with that being said, had they had everybody from the beginning, I don't think we'd have half the great stuff that we love right now because they would have focused more on, you know, the X Men and you know Fantastic Four because that that was a flagship, you know. I and if they can get Spider Man back full from Sony, like you would never have gotten a Guardians of the Galaxy, you never would have gotten a Black Panther. You don't think you'd even get a Doctor Strange film? Like you wouldn't get any of this because they would have been like. They would have had their A-listers at the beginning, so I wonder. And I don't, I don't think
1: if you'd have asked any comic fan, uh, well, I shouldn't even say comic fan, but like uh, go back ten years ago and just ask Joe, person on the street, you know, any any regular person, um, who the Avengers are. They're probably going to tell you it was a TV show in the '60s, <laughs> um, if they are aware of a television show in the '60s called The Avengers. Like, The Avengers were not there; they were not what they are now. Like, uh, maybe people had heard of X Men, maybe people knew of Spider Man, but The Avengers as a whole were not a thing. Yeah, I mean- um, it, or at least something that the general public was aware of.
0: Well, and people have have said to me like, like, "Well, Iron Man wasn't that big of a character until the movie." It's like, and they're right. I mean, I'm not just, I'm not discrediting any of that. I'm just saying, but you look at like the four first films that Marvel tried doing on their own, like like well, even though it was the you know, conjunction with Paramount and, uh, and uh, at the first Iron Man, I forget who they partnered up with. That was it, Universal. Either way, it wasn't Disney. I know that. Like, so, because because um, Paramount, maybe it's Paramount for Iron Man and Universal for the Hulk, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. So those, they had separate deals with studios, but they're trying to show that they could still make something on their own. And, like, Iron Man wasn't a big character. The Incredible Hulk people knew, but they knew because of the other movie that came before it that wasn't that great. And then the TV series, right? Um, and then you had Thor and Captain America, which, as comic fans, you love them, but Captain America, other than the imagery, how much did you really know about the character? So they really had to kind of dig a little little lower to come up with, like, you know, this is what Marvel's about. And I feel like, you know, I'd like to see them get everything back together. I just don't want them to then not go looking in the weird corners of their world to find the great characters that we love and give them their chance to be in a movie or a TV show
1: yeah and I I didn't mean to phrase it if I did that like comic fans didn't know who the Avengers are because they <laughs> were probably the ones who loved the Avengers the most but um just the sense that like I don't think people would have known what the potential was for something along the lines of that first Avengers movie and Civil War and you know where we are now where we're gonna get an infinity war movie like, yeah, that kind of potential. I don't think anybody could have seen 10, 15 years ago.
0: So I, I just I wonder because if, if they get a hold of the X-Men franchise, which, you know, like I don't know how how many times you can go back and kind of write over the story that was before with losing the audience, you know, not that I mean, as comic book readers, you understand that, like, you know, over the years, creative creative decisions change hands and then books end and other books start from a movie going standpoint. That's kind of a hard sell. Um, the only thing I could think of that people keep coming back to, though it changes a little bit, is Bond, where because you have kind of different outlooks over time. But that's just one character. Like right. how do you how do you do this repeatedly? I, I it just it would be it'd be interesting to see what they could do. I think now that you have R-rated Deadpool and R-rated Logan, I don't know how you unring that bell of having successful R-rated movies of Marvel characters that then the rights would go back to Disney. I don't know how you do that. Um, it's it, it's an interesting discussion. There's parts of this I like, but you know, you bring up some other points about like diversity can, creates competition, which you know then creates uh, you know, good output. You know, as right. to yeah. So I don't know. It just make a good Fantastic Four movie. Somebody, that's all I'm asking.
1: I mean, the other, the only other thing that I'll mention about it is, is that it's certainly not like I'm sure a motivating factor, but it's probably a nice little piece for them too. Is, is that if they do by 20th, it also means that they finally get the rights to the original Star Wars. Um, That movie, Lucas did not own the original Star Mm -hmm. Wars. uh, 20th does. And that finally puts the entire franchise underneath their belt, which means that they can do whatever they want with it. Because anything that they do with with episode 4, the original, uh, has to be in accordance with 20th, if they want to do anything with that original property. So, I'm sure that that's you know, it's not so, it might probably be more of a point of pride, I would guess, or uh, uh, just to say, hey, we have this one more thing that's now completely ours. Uh,
0: yeah. And then, and then, then maybe they could finally get around to it. Like, cause I know the fans want the original theatrical cut available. Maybe Disney would actually be like, hey, we could make money off of this and then put it in the vault with the Little Mermaid for 20 years and bring it back out again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually kind of surprised that. Uh, because with and this is a whole other conversation about the shrinking, um, you know, Blu-ray slash DVD home video market, but I'm really kind of surprised that they weren't, like, for the 40th anniversary, like, big cash grab. Like, they could charge 100 bucks for those three movies and be like, these are, you know, nice, clean versions of the originals with no additional digital touch-ups, and people would spend money on them because yeah. they're like, it's the originals. Um, so, you know, that's... I don't know. That's probably part of a a, a deal with Lucas, and I I have v- versions of the <laughs> film without the special edition stuff. Uh, some of them through like fan things called like the specialized edition and things like that. So I'm good, but I would like to see proper releases of them again, so that they're more widely available.
0: Yeah. I, so we'll see. So Disney being. Like the ever growing, you know, a uh, Cthulhu like monster that's taking yes. over the world. And we keep giving it our money. By the way, Star Wars Episode 8 comes out soon. So that's... I was just going to say, Steve mentioned Star Wars, so take a drink. Take a drink, right? But, but by the way, more Disney's coming in a second. So next story is Disney related. And this goes to the darker side of Disney. So re- recently, um, Disney kind of blacklisted the LA Times. From their press screenings for all their Disney and Marvel movies, because the LA Times did an investigative piece about a deal that was in um, in their backyard with with Disney World. This is one in California, whatever the the park out there is. I think it's Disney World or Disneyland. I, I people that know this stuff will know. Anyway, California Disney, they they did this whole investigative piece about someone not paying something or a deal worked out. It was not a good look for Disney, so Disney punished the LA Times by keep by saying that you can't have access to reviewing our movies early uh the key thing here is that disney didn't refute the story they're just angry at the la times started digging into it um and they just wanted to punish them because they like if you can't review our movies then people aren't going to come to your you know your website or whatever on thursdays for the first reviews you know and i think that's that's not that's not a good precedent
1: yeah. I mean, you know, there's certain movies where uh, maybe if they weren't reviewed, it might help them, you know, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> Geostorm. Maybe had that not been reviewed, uh, yeah. it would have helped it. But uh, more seriously, though, like that is a little scary in the sense of like, I mean, I guess it's all business and it's them playing hardball but at the same time it gets a little ugly where you're like ah you know they should still be allowed to have the same privileges everybody else has to review just because they wrote a story that you don't like
0: well it's like and the thing that they're they're specifically pu- uh, punishing a A media like like a newspaper that the whole job of the newspaper is to find the news and report on it right so you're trying to say well we'll let you look at our sparkly things but you cannot possibly look into our business dealings that is that is scary um and then also i mean then the fact that they're trying to hit them where they live in the sense of like we live in the internet age where reviews come out the moment the embargo is lifted and people will want to be first and they're trying to keep the la times behind on that, And that's, you know, that could directly impact their ability to generate income. Um, like, and I, I don't know how much, but I know, I don't know about you, but there's some movies that like, you know, that they've been, people saw them in test screenings or what, or not test screenings, but like press screenings, like two weeks before. And you're just waiting for that initial reaction. Right. And and I, and I you mentioned Geostorm. I know that studios will purposely keep movies away. Keeping a movie from being screened is different than telling <laughs> an outlet that they can't watch it. Right. I think that's different. You know, like that'd be funny if LA Times was like, well, we have our exclusive Geostorm coverage now. Um, <laughs> but so what happened was other other media outlets picked up on this. And so they decided to hit Disney where they live and said, fine, we won't go to those press screenings anyway. And we're going to keep your name off of our end of the year lists. Which is big because that's all the stuff that ends up on all the posters and all the box art and everything. Is it like all the critics agree? You know, like *Beauty and the Beast* is you know a, a, great, movie. a great movie that happens to have Josh Gad in it, and, and for some reason, it's still even good with, with him in it. You know, that's my quote. You can put it on a box. Um, I'm not of the Beast. I kind of still like Josh Gad. So there's my hot take. You guys can deal with that. I don't know if you're you a Josh heard Gadd it fans. here
1: first. Paul hates Josh, Josh Gad. Do not
0: like. J- he's like he's like untalented Jack Black. Ooh, that's that's rough. I know, but it's true. It's like if Jack Black and Jonah Hill had a kid through science, (laughs) and that kid wasn't funny, it'd be Josh Gad. And somehow he ends up like he he voices one animated snowman, and we can't get rid of him. You know, so that's Disney. I'm gonna apply for You guys get rid of Josh Gad. But yeah, I don't like this. I don't like that we're living in a time. I mean, and this isn't just Disney. Like other places are trying to to gain like to leverage their like, well, if you don't do this, then you don't get this. Like it, there's been there's been scandals in the video gaming industry too where um they've 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 purposely positioned certain reviews or reviewers by giving them favorable um, treatment so that way the games will come out with a much better higher score and burning 60 on a game is a much bigger investment than like 10 dollars on a movie ticket. So there's yeah. a lot of first day buyers remorse because they would put their thumb on the scale in a way. So I just don't I it, you you should like you know that these people want to get to your movie early because they want to write about it to say whether it's good or not, which is going to help your ticket sales. So I think it's kind of a win-win if you just let them review the movie. If it's a, I mean if it's a bad movie, that's on you because you put all that money into making it, you know? I whatever. It's, it's, it's a complicated situation, and I don't have the vocabulary to talk about it.
1: Right. And I just, I think it's, like you know, it is scary to, you know, think about them uh, being able to just, I mean, I guess, yeah, at the end of the day, it is their movie, and they can do with it what they want. Um, but at the same time, to just suddenly decide, you know, you get a free look, and these people don't, or, um, you know, it takes away the idea of there being... You know, if if you're rewarding others with being able to review something and others don't get that chance, it almost becomes a favoritism thing, and you know that can tilt very easily into we'll start writing favorable v- reviews for us and we'll give you first looks or you know what I mean. And I'm sure yeah. that happens already, and we're just not
0: aware of it. But. Oh, I'm sure. But it'd be one thing if if there was like a track record of the LA Times just coming out and setting everything on Disney on fire just because they have a, an extra grind like you'd have like, but if this is a situation where the review portion had nothing to do with the investigative portion and they're punishing the the thing as a whole, like don't let the investigators go to the movie Then, if you think that's a big deal, like the people that wrote the investigative piece, don't let them go see Thor for free. Be mad at them. That's fine. I don't care. Like just don't, don't impede them from investigating your, your business dealings. But, um, you know, I don't know. Like I just it's it's weird that like because the actions of one part of an organization is gonna directly affect the other for 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 no good reason other than you looked at us, you 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 fact check something that we don't want known, and now you don't get to watch our superhero movies. It's it's not a good look. But they lifted the ban because you know, everybody else is like, "Well, screw you. We're not going to give you what you want." Well, they so, were basically
1: public shamed. So, yeah. like, you know, oops,
0: I just clicked out of all of our stories. Oh, there we go. They're back now. Okay, Woo! yeah, no, and like, and the thing is, like, Disney sometimes is a force for good, uh, in the sense that, like, um, well, a force of change, I should say. I guess it depends on your opinion. Did you say the fourth? The fourth. Um, it's like they have purposely. When you find out about different like state legislatures, if they if they pass laws that are like they they believe are anti discriminatory towards certain groups of people or lifestyles or whatever, Disney's been one of those groups. So well, fine, we don't have to film our movies there or do whatever. And they and that, and that's a huge economic pressure for that state to be like, well, we want that money, so maybe we shouldn't like do this. So so Disney has kind of kind of like looked over at everybody and been like, you know. Just think about think about what you're doing but you shouldn't have a business a large business like that kind of like you know i don't know it, that's a much bigger conversation that i did not mean to get into but disney can do good things but they the history of disney is not um not uh smear free it, it, right. they, they they have done some shit you know so uh, anyway enough enough about that <laughs> We saw Thor over the weekend.
1: <laughs> and now it's time for a review of Thor. Thor,
0: yeah. So one second. Do you know why they are called spoilers? In this past 30 minutes, I'm like, how am I going to pivot from talking bad about Disney? And also they're trying to buy Fox and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, want to talk about Thor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not like we were, you know, uh, you know, attacking Disney or anything like that. It's just, you know, it it's... It's an ugly story and it is what it is, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I'm actually, I'm not one of those people who is up in arms anytime that Disney does something, you know, this was, you know, a specific case, but like anytime that, you know, they do anything related to either Marvel or DC, there's always a group of people who are like, oh, Disney's ruining it. So,
0: well, I've, I look more like they're the ones that have purposely punted copyright law um, back Like they like from the time that they've made like the original Mickey Mouse, which even then there's argument about who made that even from the beginning, you know, um, they've keep pushing back uh, like what should come into the public domain. And they've they've put a lot of laws in place so they can keep their characters. But then they go and use all the public domain fairy tale stuff and make their movies. There's a lot of there's just you dig, you find you find, you know, some decisions were made. Right. So anyway, for Ragnarok. Uh, Let's we'll see it this weekend. Uh, I enjoyed the movie a great deal. Like, I'm not going to get into a lot of spoilers, because, I mean, you know, if you guys want to go see it, go see it. It's a fun movie. Um, but it didn't hit me as, like, like the overall high, like, Guardians 2 did.
1: I'm actually really glad to hear you say that. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I, I really liked it, because um, I actually feel guilty, like, having problems with it. Like... <laughs> Because every everyone I've talked to, or like every review I've seen, has been so glowing. But like,
0: I mean, the LA Times reviews now are probably really good.
1: <laughs> At the end of the day, my there were like three main issues that I had with it. One wasn't they're not big issues, but like one, I felt that they leaned a little too hard into the comedy. Yes, um, it took away any sort of real stakes or gravity to any of the situations. Yeah, uh, I never felt anyone was ever in any danger. The second one is is that. Uh, Um, Loki, he's kind of, he went from being evil trickster to taking on the Avengers to being a buddy. Like, I understand that they're pulling up the brother brother relationship, but, like, you gotta just choose one. Like, he's either the bad guy or the brother who's kind of mischievous. Like, you gotta... Yeah. Go one way or the other. And then the last one is, is and, and I don't think this spoils anything in the movie, but <clears throat> Hulk is in the movie, um, and at one point, Bruce Banner reveals that if he hulks out again, he's afraid that he's never going to come out of it.
0: Yeah, and then they kind of like, oh, well, that sounds kind of dire. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. That felt really tossed off.
1: And then he turns into Hulk, and that's just, there's no other mention of it in the rest of the movie. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: the, I thought about that too, and it's like I, I, I will I will hand wave that away, saying that that's just what Banner believes would happen. He doesn't know it for sure. Yeah, you know. But same time, if that if that positions Hulk to be more of a kind of talkative, like you no, know, not the smartest guy in the room, clearly not, but more of that kind of I don't know, like I he wasn't planet planet Hulk, like you know, he wasn't that kind of smart like warrior type. Yeah. But they got they gave him a little bit more thinking. And you can see that he like the way he processes things is really interesting. And some of the some of the stuff he would just yell at Thor was great. He called him baby arms, I think, at one point, which was great. Like so it makes me wonder what they're gonna do with with Infinity War with that portion of it. But you're right. They're just like like here's a character that's always been worried about the monster taking over the man. He's like, I think it's gonna happen completely this time. And they're like, Okay, well, there's a large monster we need you to fight. All right, I'll be back later. Right. Like that was very you know, did that kind of remind you a little bit of Ed, uh, Ed Norton in The Incredible Hulk when he, he drops out of the helicopter? Oh, absolutely. Where he's like, okay, well, I need this. And it's like, just down, you know? It's, all the, it's almost the same joke. It is. I think about it. Yeah. But I, I didn't see it coming, and I enjoyed it. Um, but the humor, like um, the, the director, which I'm, I, I'm going to screw up his name, so I'm not going to try. He voiced uh, and mo- mo-capped Korg. Uh, you know, it was like, we call him New Zealand Grey Thing. Uh, that's what he was. And he was funny, and he had some good moments, but I almost feel like him saying some of the stuff he did when he did really took the dramatic punch out of some of the points of the film. And that's a bummer. Like yeah. when your director is cutting to himself with the joke, that's not that's not the best look at times, you know. So um, but Cork was like for the most part, a welcome addition. Um, I, I will forever love. 80 space trash aesthetics. I will always love something about how everything on there looks like it belongs to a trapper keeper. Yeah, I, the planet of Sakaar. I loved. Um,
1: oh, Jack Kirby's like all over that movie. If you yeah, look, his designs are like oh, everywhere. It's so
0: good. Um, the my only problem though is like maybe because I'm judging this too much because Guardians Two had come out. You know, the summer Guardians Two was great. I love I love both Guardians films. I kind of got my feel of space trash. And so like to come to this, it's like, this doesn't feel like a Thor film. It feels like kind of like guardians 2.5, but the guardians aren't here, but we kind of have Thor and then we have a green guy. It was like very, it felt very adjacent as opposed to its own story. And that's, that's really like, I, I liked it a great deal. It didn't feel like a Thor movie.
1: Well that, and uh, you really, I don't want to say that you care for a villain in movies, but like i really had no reaction one way or another to hella um other than like i knew that she was the bad guy um (laughs) yeah she shows up she tells us who she is and then she fights thor at the end that's pretty much
0: her entire role in the movie and and how how fast did the warriors three get snuffed out like you're just like yeah what was that, Zach Levy? I don't even know. Was that like, was that, was that the, was that other Punisher? Right. It, did he just go out the door? Was like, what? What did they even have him in makeup? Why couldn't they just put like a paper mask on their face? And set, <laughs> how fast they all got killed. Or
1: maybe like say that they were somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know. Like, because Sif doesn't pop up in the movie at all. So, uh,
0: my 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 joke to, for that is that they need her sometimes to show up on Agents of Shield just to like to let everybody know, <laughs> no, no, this series is still connected to the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. I just – that was like – it It feels like the way Dark World ended where it was a very down note where Loki took over the throne. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like oh, what the hell is he going to do with uh, Asgard? And the film does a good job of kind of showing because he just didn't care about the nine realms. Things kind of fell apart a little bit. And that's fine. But it's like it was so much more played for a joke as opposed to the threat that it could have been. Right. And, you know –
1: I mean, you know, the other thing too is, is that – thor is and it's it works well when he's having a conversation with tony stark and he calls him point break and he's trying to like keep up or um you know it when he is drinking uh, a, a giant beer like that stuff works you know and it refills itself in dr strange's um sanctum but like Every scene, like he's kind of almost the butt of the joke of every scene. Um, And it's kind of hard to have him as the protagonist if everything he does is sort of like funny because it's he doesn't know that he's not the strongest Avenger or I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's. It takes the weight away. It does. And I feel like because Chris Hemsworth has proven that he can actually.
1: Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think because of Ghostbusters, I think because of that, he's shown that he has those chops. And it's like, and then you have the director who did uh What We Do in the Shadows, which is an amazingly funny film. And it's like, I feel like both of them got together and was like, we could have a lot of fun with this. And I'm sure shooting that movie was a blast. And I will I will own the movie. I can't, I'm not gonna lie. I want to own it. It's not it's not like it's not like I hated the movie. I just like it's gonna be it's 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 not gonna be my, my go-to like it might be one I might put in the background and do something else and kind of look over at it every so often but it's not gonna be like uh yeah I don't know like guardians like I I don't own every Marvel film like because mm-hmm. well I don't have that much space to own every Marvel film but it's like I own Ant Man I like Ant-Man a great deal I think that movie's fun it's not perfect but it's fun um I own the dark world I think that movie was perfectly fine the way it was I don't own the first Thor movie, which I should, because that movie is actually not bad. Like it's, it, it actually showed that Thor could have a sense of humor. Well, or I should say, Chris Hemsworth could, because he kept getting hit by cars and electrocuted. Which, by the way, for being the God of Thunder, he went down pretty easy, getting shocked all the time. Right. That's neither here nor there. Um, so it's not going to be my like my top like my go to Marvel movies. Like it, right now, it always feels like it's Guardians one and two, and uh, Civil War. Sorry, Winter Soldier and the Civil War. That's like my four, and I'm so happy with those.
1: So. Uh, not going Marvel specific, but we'll go. Just I'm curious to see what your ranking is for the year. So, if I'm talking about like the movies that have come out this year so far, uh, there's only one left. That's Justice League. But right now, I'm probably my favorite movie of the so- movie superhero movie of the year so far has been Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably put Wonder Woman after that. Guardians Two. Logan.
0: Oh, I, I, keep, I don't know why I keep forgetting that came out this year because it did. You know, yeah. it's like, you
1: know, and <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I'm missing one. Um, oh, and then probably Thor is probably the last one.
0: <laughs> the one you saw recently. Yeah. You're like, I'm forgetting one. And
1: I don't mean that in the sense that, like, I didn't like the movie. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, Spider Man Homecoming is a movie that just every time I watch it, I'm just sort of like, I'm finding new things to like about it. Um, Wonder Woman was like, oh my gosh, they. DC didn't fall on its keys this time, um, so I really liked that Guardians two. Um, for whatever reason, when I've rewatched it, doesn't hit me the way it did hit me in the theater. I still well, like it a great deal, him. but it doesn't have the resonance that like the first one did or the rewatchability for me. Um, and Logan, I've only seen the one time I saw it in the theater, but I loved it. Um, and so they're all good. Um, I don't mean to put any of them down. It's just that Thor at this point is at the bottom of my list.
0: I was gonna say if you, if it, I, it's hard for me to pick like like well the the, the three that all stand side by side is Spider Man Homecoming, and I, I know I'm biased, but that movie's great. It's just it's a, it's it's fun, and they actually make him a teenager with problems, and he wants to do so good, and they keep he, he keeps getting sidelined, and I love it. That's so. They got Peter Parker really well. They got that character really well done. So it's like that side by side with Guardians two, uh, and then Wonder Woman. Like I mean, that, that's I. It's like they're going to kind of probably shift as I think about each of them. The most surprising that it landed on its feet and just been did well and kept running was Wonder Woman because uh, it had it had no right being as good as it was considering what it came before it. Right. Um, Spider Man Homecoming is right behind it because Sony still had their fingers on it. So I was worried something was going to happen. Um, and it turned out to be a, like, a, like it doesn't necessarily feel like it fits with the rest of the Marvel movies, but it fits enough, yeah. you know? And, and then, you know, uh, yeah, I just, and guardians too, just because, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I, I like I'm always going to be biased towards space fantasy like that, you know, and Thor's fine. It's fine. Uh, if I get to see in the theater again, probably do it. Put that um, on
1: your box, Disney. It's yeah, fine. It's fine.
0: <laughs> um Uh, not to go on too much longer about this, but the 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 music in the trailer, uh, the beginning of it's from a band called Magic Sword or Space Sword. I think it's Magic Sword. And I've been listening to them on YouTube like crazy. And it's like this like just like 80 cents, like just I don't know. It's it's wonderful. And I just and I keep listening to it. It makes I love that era, like that not era, because the music's new, but you right. know, that 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 vibe. And and the the music in Thor Ragnarok. Um, Mark's mother Mark Mothersbaugh did the score for it and you hear elements of that in it and it was solid. So I uh, style, I'm right up there. Execution, I just I don't know. It just I it bums me out because I didn't need I didn't need Thor to be a space fantasy. I wanted Thor to be a fantasy, and then you could have given me uh Sakar in a different setup. Like this could have been that could have fit into a Guardians movie, I think a little better. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Um, but what'd you think about the, the, the competitor's heads on the, the tower on the, um, what's his name? The, the gold bloom tower. Like, what'd you think about the, when they were putting all the big, like the, the Hulk's head, they were like building the big, like the Mount Rushmore of the gladiators. Right. Did you see the one, the one, a big one that they, 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 they off to the left? No. Beta Ray Bill was there. I yeah.
1: didn't even see that space Thor was one of the the (laughs) champions that
0: made me so happy like and
1: i loved jeff goldblum in it don't get me wrong sorry the grand master yeah um i I thought he was fantastic in the movie and actually anytime uh i get jeff goldblum in a movie it's usually a nice surprise so yeah um so yeah he's really wonderful in it um and there's a lot of funny things in it and you know go see the movie and i'm not at all saying that it's a bad movie i just had very nitpicky things to attach to it
0: just if they would have if they would have like maybe dialed down the jokes by like like a fourth yeah something like that i think then when the jokes hit they'd be better you know yeah they have more of an
1: impact if they're not so every two seconds yeah
0: but and also one last before we go on to stranger things i i don't care each time that Led Zeppelin song showed up, it was badass. I was so happy to hear, <laughs> like the Immigrant Song, and then and just in the beginning when he was having that big throwdown and using his hammer, and that it was that was an awesome sequence. I was so happy with that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's really well done, and um, while I'm not a big Led Zeppelin fan, it it fits so well. Oh. I mean it's it's wonderful the way it works in the movie. So yeah. anyway,
0: so so Thor, it's 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 good. Th- th- thumb tip slightly more upward but not all the way up i don't know anyway that's there's your spoiler spoilerish review of thor ragnarok if you've not seen it and you like thor go see it it's the most fun of the three thor movies
1: i mean everybody's giving it an a plus i'd probably give it a solid b yeah
0: yeah and then like and, and if that's the worst output marvel gives us then yeah. we're living in an age of wonders you know right. like
1: <laughs> and, and i mean thinking about you know 20 years ago when there were no you know i mean we had maybe blade and that was it like (laughs) we're in a year where there will be six comic book movies that have come out like it's
0: it's a it's a good time to to like comics and like comic book movies yeah so all right enough about that we went on a little long apologize uh so bear with us we're going to get into some stranger things and now for our feature presentation (laughs) So when Thor showed up in Stranger Things, that was really, no. But, but, so now, <laughs> speaking of trippy synth music, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Stranger Things 2, uh, not season 2, Stranger Things 2, the sequel, came out over Halloween weekend. And um, I'd asked you if you, you were going to watch it. It was almost like I didn't know if you were if a fan or not. But you were, I made, I made a post Uh, asking people not to spoil it and then you gave up like four different like stupid spoilers that were great (laughs) so i i I thought you were watching it but we never talked about it so um so what is it like like the first when you watch season one like were you what were you expecting like were you kind of like knocked back about like for me it was like i was like kind of in awe of like the first couple episodes of like this is everything i wanted out of something and i didn't know i even wanted it
1: well, yeah, I mean, I don't remember how I first heard about it. Um, I feel like I watched it maybe like the first week that it was on Netflix. But I remember the things—the two things that people kept talking about was is like, oh, it's it's Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg. And I was like, okay, well, those are two things that I like. Um, I'll, I'm willing to give this a shot. But then like, as soon as the credits came on, I'm like, all right, I know that they're going Spielberg slash king with this but i'm like i'm getting a john carpenter vibe with this so i'm strapped in now so <laughs> like uh I, I'm, I'm gonna dig in and um you know the first season is really great um there's no two ways about it it's there's no secret why it's an instant hit it's a phenomenally well done show
0: yeah and, and speaking of you talk about like you got the carpenter vibe the font I think I mentioned this when we talked about season one last year. The font was what got me in immediately. I'm like, they yeah. use that font. That's like the '80s font for every <laughs> horror novel. And I'm like, these guys know what they're doing. I'm I am now here. And font usage to get me to watch TV shows a really strange thing, you know. But for me, I didn't mean to say that like strange thing. Um, but that, that got me. They really got me on board. And I heard the synth. I'm like, I don't know what this show is, but I, I already want to marry it, you know. And and the the first season is is like you know it it's. <laughs> for having an all kid cast, well for the most part main cast. Uh and then also having the expectations of like everyone seeing that this is rooted in the 80s so they're they're waiting for this wave of nostalgia and there is, but it's more for the style and the storytelling and not the references. And that's where I think the difference is with this and other things that try to to go back, you know.
1: So I I <sighs> I don't want to jump into this too far into the conversation, but that was actually one of the big things that I wanted to talk about. And I guess it does apply to both seasons. Um, But um, I know that I just mentioned Spider-Man Homecoming uh, when we were talking about Thor. Um, I picked it up on Blu-ray a couple weeks ago, and I promised this ramble there's going to be a point to it, so stick with me. Uh, But I picked it up and threw it in my Blu-ray player and let it play. And you know how there's commercials or previews before it uh there was a preview for a tv show called the goldbergs which i have not seen but oh yeah, that's on abc yeah yeah is set in the 80s but the whole commercial was pretty much do you remember the 80s here's us making references about the 80s and like i i haven't watched the show so i don't know maybe it was just somebody in marketing being like hey let's throw every possible 80s reference that we can into this you know minute spot that's going to go on this blu-ray but, like, for me, that was immediate turn off because it, it's like, okay, unless you're doing something interesting with it, like, for instance, uh, I don't really have an opinion on the Big Bang Theory. I think it's fine, whatever. But I know a lot of people have problems with it because they say, like, oh, just mentioning something doesn't make it a joke. Just, you know, yeah, m- referencing geek culture, there's got to be something better behind it than just, oh, it's a Flash comic or whatever. Um
0: Hey everybody, Thundercats! Applause. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when it comes to Stranger Things, the thing that I really like about it is is that yes, it feels like it's it has an eighties vibe to it. It's clearly set in the eighties, but it's not like we just got back from you know going to see um, you know. This movie, and now we're going to get into our DeLorean, and then, you know, we got this uh, Pepsi uh, commercial with Michael J. Fox. Like, it's not like an overload of 80s references. And it's, I realized like, that... it's like
0: all the kids are watching Max Hedrum for no reason. Exactly. Like, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean... I. And, and and credit to to the Duffer Brothers, like um, they even though it's it's an easy parallel to draw that the the four main kids love Ghostbusters because why wouldn't they? That would be the time for that movie to be like a hit for them. Oh yeah, and then but I like that like the, their outfits like didn't look like you would have bought them like off a of store like they did they didn't look like kids wouldn't have been made capable of making them, so they, it kept it it kept it just crappy enough to where you believe that kids would actually make these with these parents and they'd all coordinate. So I really, so that's kind of like that nostalgia where it's like these kids were excited for this movie and and the equipment they have doesn't match the movie because if you're right. looking at it, like, they're, like their proton packs aren't exactly right. They're, the zappers aren't right. The trap is, like the trap actually does a lot of things that it shouldn't do, but uh, but yeah, like I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the beginning with the arcade, going to see playing Dragons Lair, which again, someone made a comment online about no kid in their right mind, like or no kid ever got that far in Dragons Lair. I, I agree, um, but just like seeing Dig Dug and everything else, like it they didn't they didn't romanticize it. It's like these kids are going to the arcade because they want to play the arcade. It wasn't like these loving shots of all the machines and like I don't know. I feel like. There's a way to pay tribute in a way to set the f- the, the series in a reality of 80, 83 or 84. 84. because uh, it's when Ghostbusters came out, yeah. Um, but without like constantly pointing out to you, this is why this is happening. This is what's going on. Like all the election signs you saw for Reagan. Right. Like that was happening because it was Halloween in 84. It wasn't like that happened to be, I don't know. It, it just felt like they didn't have to shove the 80s down your throat. It just happened to be that's when this story takes place. Right. And that feels different. You know, I mean... Except having Sean Astin in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, point of, of interest, uh, in 1984, Halloween, uh, I was dressed as a Ghostbuster. Uh, so I was in Hawkins, say, Indiana, no. with three of your friends. <laughs> I, I was the only one. Um, but uh, I will say that my Proton pot Pack did not nearly come out as well as theirs did. Uh, they had the ingenuity to use a toy shotgun as the uh, Neutron one, whereas I used an Uzi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Those because ghosts, those... that was the 80s you could buy toy uzis.
0: Yeah, uh, you're you're just to kill the shit out of those ghosts. They're not coming back at all.
1: But I mean the thing that I loved most I think about it is is that uh the conversation um with uh Lucas who comes running up and he's wearing a patch that says Venkman on it and he's like what I can't be Venkman like and I just thought that was such a wonderful moment.
0: Yeah, because the other one, uh, the other one, I forget which kid it was, but it was Mike. Well, Mike, I keep wanting to say Richie because of it. And he's <laughs> just like no like he he kept edging close to why right. yeah but he also had like he was also enough of a friend not to 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 be that asshole and say why he would think that doesn't make sense so yeah i like it i, I love that bit where you just see them for the rest of the time with both of them being Binkman. like they never <laughs> they never settled that right And i, I enjoy that and uh, i
1: love the fact that they all showed up to school and nobody else dressed <laughs> up, which i thought was funny yeah and,
0: but that feels like something that would happen yeah you know and like I, I guess, like, not that I'm, like, I mean, I, I enjoyed the series. I enjoyed the second second season or whatever you want to call it immensely. Um, I feel like now that the the, the the cat's out of the bag in the sense that the first season you didn't know to begin with that this was something that was supernatural or, or paradimensional, like, or other dimensional. And it, it's pretty obvious that this is some other dimension that we don't understand. And so this goes from being a show that people originally thought had horror elements, which it does, but it's way more sci-fi than I think people were expecting to begin with. And I think they did a kind of a magic trick of tricking people into the upside down that they don't think about it too much. But this is like, it's some pretty ridiculous sci-fi, not ridiculous as in bad, but it's not, it's not a ghost story. It's not, you know, like the Demogorgon is a monster, but it's a monster that exists in a different world. Like there's a reality to that. Mm-hmm. But this is very much like, it's Stephen King, but it feels more like Dean Koontz because of the weird science fiction elements of it now. Um, I don't know if, if that ever, like something that, it's obvious as you're watching that it's science fiction, but like people were so excited because I think they wanted something. It's not a straight monster show. And I give credit to that. Like it could have easily just been paranormal and you could have waved your hands away and then nothing would have been explained.
1: Right. Well, I mean. I will say that uh, you know one of the things that they did really well is is just and that's the benefit of being able to do a you know nine episode show as opposed to like trying to condense this in down into the movie is is that yeah. they were able to give that all I mean there's certainly a lot of um, not explanation, but there's a lot of deepening of the story and those ties to science fiction to um, it being another dimension um at the same time with not revealing all the answers um yeah. but uh you know i it's funny that you say that about it being horror because i do not think a lot of people initially went that way um and i guess it never really and i mentioned carpenter but when i say carpenter i'm not talking about uh like say for instance uh halloween or the thing i was thinking more of like starman um yeah john carpenter your um maybe even your big trouble in little China. Carpenter, at least for the vibe, not well, not the vibe, but for the look.
0: Well, even the thing is a science fiction monster. Yeah. It isn't like I mean, you know, so that's that's probably the best
1: parallel. I yeah. don't know why I didn't go to the thing first. Well, no, I mean like, I danced around it. Yeah,
0: with- <laughs> you really wanted to talk about the thing. No, I just uh so I, I kind of dig that because like at least then it feels like even though with the introduction of the mind flare and like the naming the mind flare or whatever it is at the end. Like you see, you see in all the posters and everything. There's something out there, and it's it's scary looking. Uh, I think like with with that, it's like it it gives it still. I I don't know. Like it's uh, you don't know how that thing operates. You don't know how it exists because whenever Will is encountered with it, it looks more like a tornado that has form as opposed to an actual creature. Right. But then at the very very end. Um, and I, I told you guys are spoilers, so sorry. When you see it like looming over, looking like seeing it's observing something, it yeah. looks like a much more solid object versus like whatever this ethereal dust monster or whatever it was. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I like that it's uh, you don't have to give me all the rules. I don't need every single thing explained because I feel like then that takes some of the power away. As long as the Duffer brothers know what rules they want it to operate by and they make it make sense to them. I'm on board, you know, and, but I, but I will, I will give science fiction horror more credit like that because I feel like science does have boundaries, even though this is a different dimension, which by the way, if we're talking about different dimensions, why is the upside down having exactly the same architecture that we do? You know, like all this strange viney shit grows all over everything, Mm -hmm. but somehow whenever Hawkins adds a new building, the upside down has it, pops it too up there. like how why like why is that like it seems weird like they may never explain that but it's like that's an oddly convenient thing to have in your next door universe is that like right. everything looks the same but it's kind of shitty you know like um <laughs> you know, i don't know it's it's like it's like actually it like there it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> 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 um i the, anybody in nashville i'm sorry it, it's it's a fine place it is upside down cleveland though um so yeah i, I kind of like that there's some of that like like when you get to the big reveal that whenever um and also too why does the upside down hate pumpkins so much why does why because it seems like pumpkins were the one thing that was affected the most by that the growth showing up and tunneling out
1: do you know though i loved that touch it gave it a very clearly halloween feel um certainly it takes place at halloween and there are going to be pumpkins everywhere but there was something about it that was just sort of like it gave me a a very like spooky sort of like, v- I don't know how to describe it. It it, it definitely. Um
0: Rotting pumpkins right before Halloween is a very unnerving thing. Yes. Yeah. It's like they're supposed to be ripe, they're supposed to be jack o' lanterns, but you see this thing soured and ruined. And that's, that's almost, it's like taking a Christmas tree and just breaking it before Christmas or something. Right. You know, like,
1: it was, it was a great visual cue, I guess yeah, is absolutely. what I was trying to say. Um, but yeah, I don't know why only pumpkins are affected <laughs> and why they're growing so many pumpkins for
0: such a small town. <laughs> yeah. There's like competing pumpkin farms <laughs> and all just like, goddamn Jones, he's poisoned my pumpkins. Um, and I understand that it was affecting some of the growth around, but it just seemed like particularly it was the pumpkins. Yeah. Um, I thought that was weird, uh, but I I liked there was there was a logical reason for why it would be pushing outward with the notion that the lab thought they had it under control and it's like with their burn they talk about doing this controlled burn at the, the portal that was opened that you saw in the first ep, the first season and just to find out that it had other plans. It's like, fine, if we can't go this way, we're going to go down. Right. That was a very, that's a very interesting, like, that's a very organic thing to do. Like, if we're if we're met with resistance here and, and our whole object is to to overgrow and take over, well, then, fine, you can have this little bit. We're just going to take, like, it just makes you wonder how how long that was going on without the lab techs understanding what they were actually doing, you know? like And I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was a neat uh, conceit as to why it was happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any like other thoughts on that as far as like the ingenuity of it. Because I'll be honest, that you hit me with that, and I was like, I didn't even really like, think about it. I was too focused on uh, what was happening with the characters and the relationships. Because that's, that's <laughs> the important part. I'm well, just like, I wonder where those vines are going. Well, no, I mean it, that's that's me though. Like, and I I wouldn't say it's the important part. Like, I specifically will watch things, and I'm more more than likely always going to be invested more in the characters than the plot. So that's me specifically, but like when you mentioned, I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually a really great point. So it was not a, at all, you know. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I I, 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 I I was talking to to uh, to Kevin, uh, uh, you know, co-host of Strange Highways, because he uh, he had just watched Baby Driver mm-hmm. and he texted me about it. And he's like, I'm still digesting it. He enjoyed it, but he and I we've we've come to the realization that he really enjoys. The visual execution of 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 ideas, meaning that even if they don't make narrative sense or coherent sense, if you give him an experience that is unique and um, and interesting, he will he will give that he'll be more patient with that and probably drink that up way more than me. Where I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like so, Baby Driver is interesting, and and I have a point here that. I think the film is, is really, really pretty because it's Edgar Wright and he knows how to shoot a movie really well. But I really appreciated how every piece snapped in to the next piece, to the next piece, how the story just moved and I liked the logic of it all and just how all and how the whole world kind of moved around uh, Baby's playlist, like how they made it kind of go, like everything was kind of in time with everything he was listening to. you know, it, Just because it's his observation so you see the world through his eyes. I appreciated all that because it made sense uh, where maybe there was something that like, character wise that maybe, you know, wasn't as strong. I was so in awe of everything in that part of it. Um, so yeah, like when you say you talk about, you focus on characters, maybe I'm just more always waiting for the equation to make sense for me to finally give something judgment. You yeah. know,
1: And and that's not to say that I won't, if, if something sticks out to me, you know, focus on that. But um, Particularly for that show, you know, the thing that grabbed me the most about Stranger Things the first season was the characters. so that mm-hmm. that was what my interest was in the second season, um, you know, and, and on that token, you know, um, just if you're you off the cuff talking about it, like, Stranger Things 2 does basically what all good sequels should do. Um, it gives you what you liked about the first one, but it doesn't give you the exact same thing. It changes mm-hmm. it up. Um, but it deepens the character relationships. It gives you more backstory. And because, you know, obviously they they don't have to set everything up at this point. They can just go, you know, they can just go from the first episode on and continue the story. Um, but, you know, they... They deepen the character relationships. They tell you a little bit more about them. They let you get to know the characters more. They give you more of what you liked about the first season, but they you know, also don't just give you the exact same thing. Um, so on those notes, it, it does very well. I mean, the one thing that I would say character-wise that um, I wanted to happen was, and again, this is me, but I am somebody who, who feels like there are no stakes anymore in a lot of things, and I, I, I mentioned it in Thor, um, I felt somebody other than the one person who does die should have died. And the person who dies was introduced <laughs> this season. And like, as soon as he was introduced, I'm like, I bet you he dies. Um, so, well, um, I, I guess we're just saying spoilers. So I could probably say who it is, but you know, it's Dustin. It, it's, <laughs> well, that's the thing. D- d- no, no. I honestly like if they took a character who's like Dustin that everybody loves and they just killed him the second season baller like that would just
0: and, and honestly as much as i love the kid and i love and I'm, and I'm glad he's fine in terms of the character that's something like, to get to something specific here's a kid that a year before saw this you know demon plant face monster you know killing everybody and he sees this girl that has these crazy mind powers that can just obliterate everybody right He hears something in a garbage can and goes over and is like, oh, well, what is this? I like it. It's kind of cute looking. After everything he sees and all the bad stuff that he has witnessed, he doesn't take a second chance to think maybe this isn't the best thing to bring in to my house. Right. And he seems like a pretty smart kid, and I felt like a dumb move, but I also felt like a kid move of like, this is neat looking. I got to show my friends. But the... (laughs) Considering that they, they're all aware of like the demogorgon and that it came from some place that is crazy, you have this creature that's amphibian reptile like, and you don't begin to be like, well, you know what? We may not want this around. Like right. that felt very. And then also, what kind of creature lives off nougat? I, uh, that's another. I don't think that anything that's like a kind of an amphibian reptile thing would automatically want candy bars. That seems like that's not really a part of their diet. That's just me though.
1: They don't have nougat in the upside down,
0: right? So, but yeah, this whole thing of that—that I—I I saw that kind of coming when they they introduced the whatever it was, right? And it's like, oh, it doesn't like light. It doesn't like I get it. Um. But then when it grew legs, you're like, well, okay, that's probably not good. You know, and it kept growing faster and faster. <laughs> I was expecting it to become a full on large Demogorgon, you know, because, yeah. but then, but then they just did this thing where it's like, no, nah, they could be dogs too. Kind of. I don't know. But I was expecting that relationship. It would have been a gut punch if he would have thought that this thing trusted him and he went to go offer a candy bar and it just annihilated him. Right. That would have been the stakes right there. But I don't think I don't think anybody in their right mind would kill that character off right now because he's so loved. And that's unfortunate in terms of narrative push.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the other character that I I mean, there's two other characters that are probably my favorites. Um, You know, Jim Hopper. I honestly thought like, oh, my God, they are going to kill him at one point. As he sits Um, down to have a cigarette. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought for sure, I'm like, oh, okay, they, they, they're they going to take Jim Hopper out. And I really grew to love that character in the first season. And then once you see that he's built this relationship with Eleven, you're sort of like even more like, oh, he lost his daughter and he's getting a second chance at that. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm like, but at the same time, he has a speech in one of the episodes about not being stupid. Um, and that's how you stay safe. And then they're both, both of them, him and Eleven, do very stupid things. And they even talk about the fact that, like, well, we both kind of did stupid things, but there were no consequences to those stupid things. So yeah. that bugged me a little. Um, and then the other character is uh, Steve. I mean, the character that I kind of hated in the first season, but then towards the, the end. He's had like, the most arc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, if they just did a spinoff where it's him. Uh, teaching uh, Dustin about uh, how to pick up uh, girls or talk to girls, I think would be just hilarious. Because like, I would watch that. Yeah, because I'm like the whole thing about like how to like do his hair or whatever, and I just thought that stuff was so funny. Like,
0: and, and Steve was not a likable character the first season, and like I think it's because his perspective changed. Not I'm not I'm talking about like the monster stuff. It's just like he, you know him and Nancy's relationship at the beginning of the second season is, is interesting because they're together because they were together before. Right. But now that like pretty much the government said, you can't talk about any of this and you can't talk about your friend being missing. Like, even though you guys both know that she got murdered by, you know, whatever. Uh, and her family's like selling their house and hiring these, vet- like they're, they're just torn because they have this this guilt and this pressure. Like they're together because they have no one else to talk to. And I think that it was an interesting way to to bring them like to to show where they're at, and then realize that like you know he does care about Nancy. It's just that you know, I I feel like that their 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 relationship was kind of not superficial, but it was uh, codependent. But it's because of the guilt that they had. Yeah. And then when she finally drops like drops that act and, and says it's all bullshit and gets away from him, that I think that kind of opened his eyes a little bit because also you know he was losing her. Right. But what did he have other than someone else to, you know, feel bad about what they knew? You know, like I don't know. Like he 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 served a purpose by kind of being that older brother to everybody else because no yeah. one else is going to believe believe them. And I liked him a lot in the season.
1: Yeah, just the the episode where it's him and Dustin talking for a good portion of it about everything from, like, how he does his hair to, um, you know, the fact that he's kind of got a crush on this new girl, Max, to just all that stuff I was like I was like, oh my god it's it's every conversation that probably two brothers have ever had yeah. so uh, that's the kind of stuff that resonates with me as they
0: are dropping uh chunks of meat on the railroad track right. to attract, uh, <laughs> attract a monster um yeah that was good Steve Steve came out like and even at the end of the season you know he didn't necessarily I mean he's in a better place and you know you you know where he wants to be you know who, who he wants to be with but it's like there's almost this moment of like you know what I'm gonna try. As opposed to being defeated by it, like I kind of, I kind of like that, and I, mean, I want to talk about the snowball a little bit here in a second. But before we get there, though, I just want to this ask you about, uh, well, one, Paul Reiser, we didn't even talk about him. He's awesome in this, and I was really, 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 really worried that they cast him just to be Paul, like to be uh, Carter, or was it Carter Burke from Aliens? Right, I and
1: really- I thought that's where it was going real quick.
0: And there's a little bit of that in the beginning yeah. of the season,
1: but not really. Not
0: yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, because he still has the the company's interest in mind at the beginning, but then whenever he realizes that this is way bigger and spiraling out, he actually makes some good decisions to pro- try to protect people versus what the company wants. <laughs> right. So that's like I was like, oh, he's a dead man. Like I was really <laughs> expecting. But Paul Reiser's really good in this. Um, like I really like that. Uh, and, and there's there's all sorts of aliens references. You'll see him when you know them, when you see them, they're they're right in front of you. They fit with the scene, but you're just like, God damn it! There's an aliens reference right there with Paul Reiser. I liked him a lot. I liked Sean Astin. <laughs> he grew on me, which I think Bob is supposed to grow on you. Yeah. Um. I I highly doubt that they would be able to piece together a 3D puzzle of tunnels based upon crayon drawings, but that's just me. And also figure out where the you know
1: they needed a uh, they needed some sort of light fixture like they had in the first one yeah. and the the tunnels was the, the the crayon tunnel drawings is what they came up yeah. with this time.
0: So but anyway, but Sean Aston is Bob the Brain. I liked him a lot. Um where this someone said there was a tone deaf Goonies reference. Was it him saying something about what's their pirate treasure? Was that the reference? Or what he said open says me whenever he was like going through the the, the um opening of the doors. I didn't catch
1: that. So um maybe that's what it was, yeah. but um i thought the pirate treasure was kind of a goonies reference once you said it but i I don't know
0: anyway he uh, was fine out
1: of everything that was kind of slightly referenced in that the goonies was i mean there's already an overall goonies tone to the to it anyways but there wasn't anything overt that i noticed
0: yeah Um, so um i liked him but i wanted to just talk about before we get to the snowball the episode it's it's season it's season two episode seven it's the lost sister It's people call it the standalone episode. I argue that it's not standalone because it does have things that do tie into the greater narrative. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like it isn't like a backdoor pilot for a gang and some people that go to Chicago (laughs) and whatever. Um, You told me before we started recording, you said something about that did not occur to me. So like what what you said about the episode makes perfect sense once you said it.
1: So, yeah, I mean, the entire episode is basically the Empire Strikes Back um, from. Eleven sort of going off and finding out how to use her powers a little bit more to um, literally her having a vision of her friends in trouble and uh, Mike yelling, it's a trap, uh, the same way Leia's yelling it on Bespin uh, when Luke shows up. And she immediately turns to her newfound sister and says, you know, it's almost Luke's line in Empire um, where he says, you know, they're my friends, I have to go um and help them um it's a nice subtle way to work in a star wars reference or at least at least it's um uh i don't want to say plot but at least its texture i guess is the best way or context into it without being like here's a star wars reference it was a nice way of homaging it without overly especially for a show that's set in the 80s being like Here's a Yoda figure. You know. Yeah. Which I they mean, did some of that in the first season.
0: Once you mentioned that it was basically that that makes perfect sense to me. A lot of people didn't care for the episode because they felt like it killed the the narrative pace, which had it had it been episode eight before nine, I would have been kind of frustrated where it's like, this let's get to the end. But I feel like at least that they kept it away from being like like a sour note right before you wrapped up the season. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind. I'm not the It was a perfectly okay story where Eleven goes and finds Eight, and Eight has, um, she has Firestarter powers, not in the sense of making fires, but her father, was it, uh, the father in Firestarter could uh, project images in people's heads and make them see what they wanted, what he wanted them to see. So basically she has the same power of being able to create, like people can hallucinate things that she tells them to do. And it's it's really effective the way especially the bit when they're in the um the gas station and she tells the guy that the bathrooms flooded and you see it for a second yeah that it cuts to him like walking over something that's not there in terms of like his reaction it was really quick and effective and it, it, it's it, you sold it I liked it um I liked that basically you saw this is what could have happened to Eleven had she found the wrong group of people right and I and I know I know it's a very obvious on the nose thing but it's like Eight's older than she is and she's found these people that are all broken and messed up in their own ways and they only know one way out and you look at like the kids they're all they're all kind of you know losers in their own way too but you know it's like i don't it's just all about like context of when you find people and the decisions they make and i thought it was a perfectly okay episode i didn't think it was like the worst episode um, i have friends that tell me that that episode pissed them off and i don't know why i don't i don't like,
1: i certainly didn't get pissed off watching it i took it as, as um sort of I mean obviously I took it as the the hero's journey type of thing but also um I took it as like you know they set it up at the beginning of the very first episode they have to pay it off at some point yeah like right. you know episode seven's pretty far into the series to be like or into at least that season. season. Yeah to go back to a character that was only seen briefly at the beginning of the very first episode.
0: Yeah. And I, and I like the idea that they kind of left the door open. Well, one for eight, whatever that is. And that, that, that way we know that there's at least possibly nine others out there that are unaccounted for in in very, you don't know if they're alive. You don't know what, but they could be, you know? And so that opens the door for many more stranger things, you know, but, uh, which I, kind of dig. And I also, there's also the possibility that Matthew Bodine's character might still be out there too yeah and which i like as well
1: and i i I say this uh, as you know uh somebody who um watches it and is very aware of the fact that like one of the reasons that i probably identify with the show is is that like that was me as a kid seeing other groups of people in the 80s is not also a bad thing like um, you know seeing people who were punks or um, that weren't specifically like who I was at that time um, it broadens the show a little bit more both in um, character type and then also just diversity wise like you know yeah. um, it would have been easier to just make eight another white girl like you know
0: well, um, yeah and there's always the possibility that their two paths will join up again because right. they both want justice for what they uh, they both want to see set things right but one has a much more violent way about it than than the other and that's always going to be a conflict and then you're going to have like a standby me conflict where you have uh you know those kids and then um Kiefer sutherland in, 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 like in his group you know yeah. like you're gonna there's that possibility of that like conflict and who knows i like that it's out there you know and it doesn't and they gave her enough the 11 got enough to see that like you know the world is bigger and you got to find out what's important to you and she always was looking out for mike and then she realized what she had to do. And that was also a good smart move uh, writing-wise to keep her out of play until she can make her triumphant return. Because if you had her there earlier, a lot of these problems would have been fixed way early, and there have been not much story there.
1: Yeah. On the same token, though, I will say that the character that I think suffered the most this season was Mike oh yeah yeah really didn't have an arc at all other than being bitchy um, and jealous of mad max uh you know
0: well now that will was back and talking a little bit they had to do something it it really (laughs) did
1: feel like they're like well will's back so mike's kind of taking a back seat because they they gave lucas and dustin things to do they pair lucas with max they pair dustin with steve Mike's kind of there with will but the whole time that you're with will it's more about will and not really about Mike at all So yeah.
0: I mean um, will does figure out like some of the I like he he's there enough to observe what's going on so he figures out the whole the spy works two ways type of thing yeah. with will um so I mean he did he had a little bit but you're right he wasn't the focus and that's fine because you know like even so the, we'll move with the snowball and that's the end of that's the end of the season he, you know you kept you kept him and 11 away from each other for the most part even though they, they showed at the beginning of episode or the end of episode 8 they see each other you know but this has been this whole thing it's been back and forth like they don't think like she really wants to, to be with him he misses her and then when you finally get that like that one night she's allowed out it was such a like that whole sequence was wonderful With whatever there's all these like little victories and payoffs mm-hmm. even with even with Dustin like he may not have gotten everything he wanted but you know Nancy's like an older, like, you know, senior in high school and she's the pretty girl and she pulls him out on the dance floor. Like how many kids would have just given anything for that moment? You know, right. Because a high school dance is it's like it's you get it, it, every there's so much pressure on you to do something, you know, or be something. And I feel like that, that scene got that really, really well, you know, and it felt if it didn't feel like it was just pressing emotional buttons, like I feel like everything there was kind of earned.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, because, like, uh, my wife is like, wow, the snowball dance looks nicer than my prom. Well, that's like, true. If you look at the production yeah. value of it, it's like, wow, they really... Hawkins really, really puts on a nice snowball. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the uh, the thing that I I thought was interesting was is that... Because I, I kind of expected... Because it, it went in a way that I didn't expect. I expected it to end on some sort of cliffhanger or something where the story was... Um, I don't want to say not wrapped up because it's certainly not wrapped up at this point either, but it's a much happier ending than the first season. But then I realized, oh, well, they didn't do a happy ending of the first season. You know, really the ending of the first season is Eleven goes missing again. Uh, Will's back, but there's something wrong with him. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, you know what? This actually probably does fit better to have a more happy ending, I guess is the better way of
0: putting it. Well, if it, if it never got renewed, which it did, if it did not get renewed, it would be a nice complete experience because even though there's still the looming threat of the mind flare out there, that's fine. Cause any, any horror movie worth its salt, or I, I know I talked about this being science fiction, you know, you always want that threat of like, well, right. you know, things could be upset again later. And it's like, we're not done now, but it wasn't so, it wasn't such a, a cliffhanger in the sense of like, well, what's happening to these characters. It's more like the threats out there and you gave everybody a victory and and emotionally, you talk about arcs, I feel like they all kind of ended up in a good spot, which is satisfying as of as of watching it, even though they didn't type every single thing, which to me, I think that's very satisfactory. Like I, like, I don't need every question answered, but give give me the characters like that. They're you know, that they've gotten something. And I feel like they all did.
1: Yeah. You know? And I mean, I really liked the moment um, and it's it happens at the snowball, but it's outside. It's when Hopper shows up. And he's talking to Winona Ryder's character and like they share a cigarette or whatever. It's just a nice little moment between the two of them. Um, you know, so you kind of get a little bit of closure for both of their characters as well. And the fact that he's, you know, taking care of Eleven and he was able to, you know, get her there for at least a night for yeah. now that she can get to see Mike and the other kids. And um, so, yeah, I, I I thought it was a, a really well done ending um even if it was uh, the nicest uh middle school dance that i've ever seen
0: that that's fair I'll, I'll give you that like for the most part they've done a good job of like keeping everything relatively you know within like all you know, oh, that makes sense you're right that was a super nice dance yeah. i um m- like my wedding wasn't even that nice granted i, w- I was a uh, drive through <laughs> chapel in vegas but it wasn't that nice i will
1: say um and then this is something that occurred to me throughout the entire show is is that like I don't want to know what they paid out for royalties for songs because yes. everything from like The Clash to there's an episode where um, the one character who we haven't talked about, it's the brother of Max, um, <laughs> is yeah. listening to Metallica's Kill Them All uh, to, um, I mean, there's so many songs that are in, in each episode. Um, I'm like, I cannot imagine what the music rights were for, for this series, because it's all over the place. And I mean, it's good, because it's a nice representation of, uh, of the 80s, and it's not everything that you would hear on like 106.5 The Lake, uh, We Play <laughs> Anything. But, uh, you know, I, I kept thinking, and I'm like, God, what did they pay for this song? what did they pay for this I'm like oh God what did they pay for that so
0: yeah that's fair so <laughs> I, I did, you're right like I didn't think about that but yeah it's just that you're right that had to be some a lot of money but uh, I, and we know Netflix is spending a lot of money on original content we don't know if Netflix is gonna stick around because they keep, they keep to doing it's almost like they're doing like the Canon films thing where it's like we'll just spend all the money now we'll make it all back later That didn't work out for Canon, so we'll see if it works for Netflix.
1: Yeah, I still don't understand how they're making money. So Um,
0: they have my ten dollars a month. So yeah, that's mine too. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so really enjoyed the season. Uh, You know, even even the episode people didn't much care for, I thought was perfectly fine. I look forward to the next the next things. Um, You know, I just this is I feel like, and not to go too much further on this, uh, I just when you give people that have a good vision and in a good idea how they want to do it. And, and someone's like, okay, well we'll back off and you guys give us this. Like, I feel like that's where you get a lot. You can get a lot of good things and especially with, with the eight or nine episode format is just enough to let everything breathe, but not enough to where it wears out. It's welcome. And I feel like this gives them the opportunity to actually focus their vision. But if they want to take a brief aside, they can without really causing the narrative to suffer. Right. You know, so it's, it's solid stuff. It's great. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, Hulu's um, Castle Rock series—it's coming out soon. It's not—it's not, it's not going to be episodic in the sense of like the same story. It's going to be an anthology. You—you you can get the feeling that they really want this to be their Stranger Things, and I hope—I hope that they, you know, have that same type of like quality of life, you yeah. know. So, um, but yeah, that's Stranger Things too. Um, did you have any other Stranger thoughts? Stranger thoughts. Um, no. I mean, I think I hit my main points.
1: It's funny, you know, I. I when I was watching it, I was like, oh, well, this is a good point to, to bring up, and this is a good point to bring up, and I don't know that I was able to hit all of them, but that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. It's 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 definitely a show that I can see myself watching again, um, and I don't see it... Um it's two seasons in and you know hopefully we get uh, because i do think that they said they have a finite uh amount of seasons that they want to do like four or five yeah Yeah. um so i'm hoping that they are able to keep that stride up and uh give us more to talk about because um so far this year i'd say it's you know definitely one of the best television experiences that i've had so
0: absolutely so uh, if you guys like to share your thoughts on, on stranger things, if you have stranger thoughts. Like if you guys can explain to me, how come Hopper knew to put Lego Legos, put Eggo waffles in that box at the end of season one, whenever 11 was missing and he didn't know that she was out there. Explain to me why that worked because that didn't explain anything in the season. They just found, she found the box and started pulling waffles out. I don't know why he knew to do that. They never explained that. So if you guys have a theory, Please explain that to me, so I feel better about it. Because it, it really it felt like a cliffhanger, and then end the of season one, he put the waffles in there. It's like, oh, he knows where she's at, and then you go through the flashbacks. It's like he had no idea she was alive. Like you know what I mean? It feels really right. weird, you know. But so if you guys have that theory, let me know. That'd be great. Um, we're on Facebook, Invasion of the Podcast. Um, there is uh there is a website. There's problems with it right now, so don't go to that. Uh, <laughs> if you go to it right now, there will be nothing there. There will be something there later. Uh, I am doing a blog. Uh, I'm blogging my year of the Western. Uh, if you guys noticed in the past, like you know, six weeks, I've been uh, like trying to catch up for the year. So I am 14 westerns in uh, out of 30. So I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm on pace now to actually be done with the year. With us and our uh, blog page is I have it here somewhere. It is uh, invasionthepodcast.blogspot.com. If you guys want to go there directly, um, I will be linking the story, the the blogs as I ran to our Facebook page. Either way, so if you guys like to read about some westerns and my reactions, um, I've been getting into a lot of the Italian westerns. Um, there's some good stuff there, some great music and some odd dubbing. So if you guys nice. would like to, to to read about that, you know, please do, and there will be more coming there. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play, uh, Podbean. If you guys could be so kind of as to rate and review us, that would be greatly appreciated because if you rate and review us and you give us like a lot of stars, then more people will find us, and then uh, things will keep growing. It will be great. Um, and Steve, uh, you, you have a thing that you push. Please tell everybody about the – okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so um, I'm sorry something just had popped into my head it was a, a um, stranger things uh, drinking game that I was going to mention mm-hmm. in that uh, every time Dustin says shit take a drink uh, but uh, yeah I have a web comic with uh, my partner Ryan Cassandy we do called the Saturday Night Slasher um, we're actually going to be at Genghis Khan here in Cleveland uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend that Sunday I believe it's the 25th or the 26th I don't have a calendar in front of me but it's that uh, that Sunday of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving weekend here in Cleveland uh come out support uh, small independent Cleveland local artists uh comics uh and uh we'll be there um we'll have stuff for sale and be happy to talk to you and you can tell us uh what you think of uh the siren Slasher or tell me if you listen to the podcast and say hey I heard you on that podcast and you're completely wrong about everything <laughs> no um but yeah we'll be there and uh come out and see us the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's
0: twenty sixth. I looked yeah. at Sunday is twenty sixth. So yeah, go out to to Genghis Khan. Uh, that's a great name for a con. But uh, <laughs> uh, so so check that out. And all right, so let's just get on to our our wonderful game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> So, uh, with the kids of Stranger Things, not that we have to have every single fun bit here tie into the, the main topic, but uh, they identify everything through Dungeons & Dragons. That's how they're able to identify the Demogorgon. That's how they're able to identify the Mind Flayer. Like they, they are able to uh, understand their world through this game book. So, I'm going to challenge Steve. Is this a DND monster, or is it a Star Wars monster? The trick, though, is three of these Star Wars monsters aren't Star Wars monsters, and they're just things I threw in there. So, you'll have to tell me which is which. Uh, so... Like, if I say to you, Owlbear or Tuscat.
1: Okay, well, Tuscat is, is Star Wars, I would think, because it's Tuscan, right? I don't know. Okay. <laughs>
0: it's it's a Tuscat. It's it's spelled T-U-S-K-C-A-T, so it's not like Tuscan, like Tuscan. Oh, Raider. okay. It's just it's just Tuscat. Well, that,
1: Owlbear can't be something Star Wars. I I, I Is it? <laughs> is Owlbear really a thing?
0: Um, I mean, none of these things are real things, okay. but I mean, but one, one is a D&D monster and one is, one is a Star Wars monster. I'm going to say
1: tuskat has got to be a Star Wars thing yeah. and Owlbear has to be Dungeons and Dragons. You are
0: right. Uh, Owlbears, which I looked up, I looked up like the, in the, the Dungeons and Dragons guide, it's something like with like the haunch of a bear, but it has like the plumage and the head of an owl. It's really weird looking, but in World of Warcraft, uh, on the MMO, there's, uh, characters that are druids that can take, uh a moon can form which they're like a large owl and so people they look like owl bears so you hear uh so I'm, I'm thinking more like a woods of the owl that wanders around but this thing looks like a freaking griffin with an owl head it was weird looking i don't know
1: you know and i don't mean to like you know rip on anybody who creates anything but owl bear is just such a like it's such an i don't know it it just seems like they threw two words together like call it something like the the bowler or something <laughs> i don't bowler. know <laughs> well i was gonna say, say
0: jeff if you're listening i know we have robot bear so i don't know how you feel about Al bear but, uh, <laughs> yeah so um all right we got a uh, rust monster and a night beast
1: night beast i'm pretty sure it's from star wars i feel like that's on the the planet where uh, the night sisters are um, what was the, uh, the other one? Rust monster. Rust monster. Uh, I believe there's an artist group called the rust, uh, belt monster, uh, collective, I think here in yeah, Cleveland. They do all the, so. <laughs> yeah, they do all the, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say that's D and D and I'll say that the, the other one is star Wars. Yeah.
0: You're right. So, um, but yeah, they do all like all the, um, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <laughs> Artwork? Not yeah, they do artwork, yeah. <laughs> but they they do uh, the big scenes. What do you, what you uh, murals? Yeah, that's the word. What? Jesus Christ! Yeah, they do all the murals. They always do it, like for free comic book day. I see them all the time. All right, so we got a uh, fern bicker or grab grass.
1: <laughs> um, fern bicker or grab grass? I don't know why, but they both kind of sound dirty. Um, they do. Fern bicker.
0: I just feel like, like Fernbickers are really good. You goddamn Fernbicker! <laughs> I was
1: thinking it was like you know uh, the name of like a, a um, principal or a dean in an eighties. Uh, uh, Steve, you can please go to Principal Fernbicker's office, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Report to Vice Principal Fernbicker. It's Vice Principal. Uh,
1: uh, Fernbicker. I'm gonna say that's that's gotta be. I'm gonna say that's Star Wars, and I'm gonna say uh, the other one is uh, Dungeons
0: & Dragons. You're saying the Grabgrass is grab Dungeons & Dra- Yeah, yeah, you're right. I just grab grass. Like what? Like I so. <laughs> once what did get you to arrest the,
1: him for he was grabbing grass
0: yeah just watch it watch out for that grab grass right so um all right uh we have we have a, a drake that's d-r-a-k-e and a Rak ghoul
1: i'm gonna say rack ghoul sounds like something star wars just because of the fact that it, it it sounds sort of like a rancor or something along those lines um
0: yeah i'm gonna say that's star wars uh, you're right uh I just I don't know I just the I rack I just, that sounded the sound of Star Wars I was trying to see a lot of the weird Star Wars sounding creatures when you look them up on Wikipedia they have very distinct Star Wars sounding names so it's kind of my goal here was to try to find something that was like weird but not like so Star Wars weird you know so it's 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 tough here so like what about here here's one a shell spider or a skull wraith
1: skull wraith just sounds so metal it's got to be Dungeons and dragons um what was the other one shell spider shell spider uh, yeah I'm gonna go that's Star Wars and the other one is uh, is is Dungeons and dragons because uh, skull wraith just sounds like you know uh, something that would be on the cover of like a Danzig album
0: <laughs> yeah right. all right so we got a uh, we got a, a back that's baK and uh brac BRAAK. Uh
1: one of them Space Ghost. Um the other one. <laughs> so you're right.
0: So so yeah, Br- Brack is Brack. I had Speak Brack in there. Uh So what do you think the other uh, you think the other one's D&D or Star Wars? I'm going to say Star Wars. That's D&D. So <sighs> Yeah, it's, but I saw that and i was like I have to fit Brack in there. Right, so. Um here's another one. Uh the um Um-goolium Blob. Amgoolian Blob or the Gelatinous Cube.
1: Well, the gelatinous cube is Futurama, if I
0: That's got to be It's also from Wayne's World, if you remember. They talked about the one arcade machine. Oh, my
1: God. That That's right. Uh, um, I forget oh, the name of the machine they talked about yeah. that no arcade was
0: talking about. Yeah. He's like, you play a gelatinous No, it was a gelatinous blob or gelatinous cube. I forget what it was called.
1: That's right. Yeah. Oh, good Wayne's World reference. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the other one's Star
0: Wars. The Ungolium blob? Yeah. That's correct. All right, we got a few more here. Uh, I was trying to match these up because I wanted some more sounding the ones, but some of these are just kind of I don't know. Uh, Black pudding or a graboid? I feel like graboid
1: sounds like it's something from a video game. Um, Black pudding, though, I can't imagine. (laughs) I'm going to say black pudding is D&D and a graboid is is Star Wars.
0: Well, black pudding is D&D, a graboid is from Tremors. That's Thank the, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to fit a graboid in there somewhere. All right. Uh all right, robber fly or a clawbird.
1: Clawbird's got to be Dungeons and Dragons. Um the other one I think is Star Wars.
0: Yeah, well, you're wrong. So the clawbird is Star Wars and the robber fly is D and D? there you go. I think the robber fly is whatever that blue thing is in episode one that the flies around. That like what's his name? The one that uh, has uh, Annie.
1: Of uh, uh, um, uh, Watto. The- he's a robber
0: fly. That's what he seems. Like. He'd be a robber fly because he just seems like you know he's always flying around trying to take stuff from people. That's that's true. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I forget what his actual uh, his alien species is. Uh, uh veraractal. Or Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: Well, I can't imagine Star Wars having a Tyrannosaurus Rex in it, so I'll say that's Dungeons and Dragons. And then a we will say a Star Wars. You're right.
0: So I like that all the other all the other monsters in D D are like these kind of like kind of made up things. It's like <laughs> and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's like, all right, sure. Um, all right. So next one here is uh, a vapor ghoul or a vaping ghoul. Which one do you think is which
1: well a vaping ghoul sounds star wars just because uh uh it it sounds like uh um some sort of like you know mysterious monster that you would find on a planet like uh, uh hiding in the corners in the mist um and uh, the other one I'm going to say is uh, Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Well, the vapor ghoul is Dungeons and Dragons. The vaping ghoul I made up because it's like you're already dealing with a ghoul when he's vaping, so he's probably an asshole. That's like, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we got a calf Hound and a Devil Fish. Calf hound. Hmm.
1: I'll say Devilfish is D and D, and is Star Wars.
0: You're right. And Devilfish is also a great episode of Mister Science Theater 3000. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah, one of those Italian horror films, and it's I something about the Devilfish in that. Cracks, didn't you, you know? buy
1: that when we were at Wasteland?
0: I didn't buy that one. I bought a uh, Final Sacrifice. Okay. Because um, you got to have Rosestar. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I got a, an Orbalisk and a Water Weird.
1: Oh, I feel like Oberlisk is something in the Star Wars universe. A water weird sounds Dungeons the Dragons. <laughs> yeah,
0: you'd be right. It's like, oh, no, this is a water weird. Got to watch out for that. All right, so we got a frog dog and a brain collector.
1: Hmm. Or a brain collector. I don't know. Like <laughs> or a brand collector? A brand collector, yeah. Uh I'm going to say the brain collector is uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the other one is
0: Star Wars. Okay. I I just thought Frog Dog would be enough to be like, well, that sounds stupid enough. That's Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons. Nope. That's Star Wars. You're right. So, all right. Last one here we have, and this one's a good one to go out on, um, Air Shrimp or a Flittering. (sighs) Flittering is one of those...
1: You know, it sounds stupid enough to be a Star Wars name. Um, so I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go with Flittering is Star Wars and airbug is uh airbug air shrimp. <laughs> oh air shrimp, air, sorry.
0: Yeah, was, uh, did you say airbud? <laughs> I'm gonna say Airbud <laughs> is definitely Star Wars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh air shrimp, I'm gonna say, is uh Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Okay, so you were wrong. Air Shrimp oh. is Star Wars and the flittering is Dungeons and Dragons. So there we go. So what we learned here is that both both universes have stupid names for creatures. Yeah. Um it's just that the Dungeons and Dragons ones are purposely like not like like um there's no flair to them. I think they want the, the imagination of the person to make them, you know, come alive as opposed to star Wars, where it's like a bunch of vowels. Let's see what's going to happen here and throw in an apostrophe.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's probably just, you know, a blackboard somewhere with just a bunch of nonsense for not written on it. And they're like, we need to name this thing. Just grab it from the blackboard.
0: Do you think they just have like a, like a, a large refrigerator with all the letters that they just kind of <laughs> move around? It's like, that you know, like, ah, it sounds good. Sure. Sure. Frog dog. Let's just go. Let's do it. Um, so, all right, so that's going to do it for, for us this week. Uh, the, so good talks about Thor and Stranger Things. So thank you, Steve, for coming back on the show and and helping out and making me, you know, sound respectable. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, next week uh, we have another guest on the show, uh, El Goro from Talk Without Rhythm. If you guys remember, I was on his show talking about the flying and slither and, and had a, a wonderful conversation there. I invited him onto this show because I want to have more of a conversation about uh, appreciation and sometimes how fandom can be great and terrible. So look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can check out his, uh, his podcast. It's a talk without rhythm. Uh, his website is t w uh, o t w o r p. I'm going to screw this up T W O R podcast dot com. He just got done doing his 31 days of Halloween where he talked about a new Halloween movie each day of the month. It's highly entertaining. So I'd check that out. They're like, maybe like maybe 10, 15 minute little bits about new movies that he's never seen. So I don't know how he does it, but he did all, all of October and I finally caught him in November. He's going to be on next week. So look forward to that. So.
1: All right, I'm. I will definitely be listening in.
0: All right, there you go. So, uh, so guys, have a good week. Uh, don't end up upside, upside down because I mean it's all shitty architecture there. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week.